Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm May. Hello, I'm Chaos, and, and our, our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped, loves a circle with no end. No, 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 Happiness is egg-shaped, and loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg Shaped. And today is one of those days. At the beginning, there was the list, the list of people that I wanted to speak to. There was people on there I'd never met, but I was keen to connect with. There was also just people I know, mates, people from the dark and distant past. And today is one of those. And I've made no notes. I've got my slippers on. I've got my juice and I'm ready for a good old blether and a catch-up. We've actually been speaking for the best part of an hour before I hit record and then we decided we better put something down. So what do I say about this man? I don't actually know what his job is. I don't know where he is. Uh, he never sits still. He's got a wonderful, crazy wife and two crazy daughters. So it uh, sounds not too dissimilar to me. He loves the game. He's from just down the road from where I am originally, but we've both wandered pretty far and now we find ourselves here. So let's see what he's got to say. The one and the only, Mr. Neil Tunner. Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> that was a great introduction, mate. Awesome um, stuff. All right, let, let's start. Where are you? Uh, just outside Washington, D.C. at the moment. Small town called Emmitsburg, uh, right in... I guess right in the heart of history of the US, just down the road from Gettysburg, where uh, Lincoln gave the, the Gettysburg address. So, yeah, okay. bouncing around, you can see I'm in a, a pretty average looking hotel room. Uh, yeah, it's all good. Pretty average hotel room for a pretty above average kind of guy. Pretty average. But uh, <laughs> DC's not home, so where's home? 
Nah, home, uh, living in the Adelaide Hills just now, Bruce. Uh, we we got a house there for just before COVID, actually. And then uh, had planned to stay probably up in Europe for a while longer, but COVID kicked in and we took eight months to get ourselves back to Australia. And I'm now, I'm now living in the heart of wine country. So to say I've developed uh, a taste for half-decent red wine would be an understatement. Uh, I've said this before and I'll say it again, but you've changed. You've <laughs> changed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so home is the Adelaide Hills. You're in Washington, D.C., but originally home is God's country. Yeah, home is the mighty Jed and the mighty Jed forest. Bruce, that's home for sure. Uh, grew up there. So uh, that's, do you know what? For all the people that might watch this that are my mates, uh, they would get stuck in at me for being a Jap. Because my first few, my first few years, my old boy was a cop in Selkirk. So when I when I was born, we were in Selkirk, and then we actually went and had I think two years in Gala, uh, Magdala Terrace in Gala right. Shields, I think it was. So I had two years there. And my my mum fell pregnant, my sister, and they took off to Selkirk. My old boy was a cop in Selkirk, so spent. Oh, mate, I think I was 10 when we moved to Jed. So formative years uh, in Selkirk and then hit Jed at 10. That was it from there. <laughs> the rest is history. You're going to get pelters for any mates that are listening to this for this funny uh, accent you've developed. What do you mean? Every time every time I jump in an Uber here in the US, they go, you're from Australia. And I was like, no, nah, I'm from Jed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right, let's let's start from where you are now. What are you up to in the States? Uh, yeah, so about 18 months ago, I was back in Australia. I was working in rugby, doing a bit for the State Union and Rugby Australia. Um, and then sort of bouncing ideas around with a guy I used to live next to in Jersey, actually, who's a sports psych. He's, he's a clinical psychologist, sports psych. Does a whole lot of leadership stuff in the corporate space. Uh and we had a few glasses of red wine in Jersey and hatched this idea that if rugby ever sort of took a back seat, we'd have a look at putting a business together that takes some of the stuff from sort of sport um, around leadership and communication and performance in the corporate space. So that's what I'm doing. I'm here now trying to build some business, win some win some contracts. Uh, this is my fourth visit this year. So my, my frequent flyer miles are through the roof uh, so high that I managed to get a business class flight this time around. So that was nice. Uh, but yeah, it's all it's all corporate stuff here in the US. We've got Jimmy's got a business in Europe. We've got one in Australia. And look, I would say by the end of the year, we'll, we'll have a business in the US as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'm flying by the seat of my pants, Bruce, to be quite honest with you, from a business perspective. But I've never been scared of a little bit of risk. So we'll have a crack at it and see how we go. It's it's one of those situations where you're flying the seat of your pants, which I, I'm not sure I quite agree with, but you're learning quickly, I would say. Yeah. But you've you seem like you've developed a real love for that in the last 10, 12 years, where you've picked up this idea that you can support people to improve, whether that be the way they catch and pass and scrum and line out. And now you're talking about working in the corporate world. What's brought you to this point? Uh, Chris, it's a great question, actually. We, we've been going through a process with the business uh, just in the last sort of couple of weeks where we, we've employed our first person in Australia. And it's got it's got us thinking we need to arm them with the tools to go out and win business. So we, we've been sitting going, right, well, 
what, what's our purpose here? Where's it come from? Um, and to, to be honest, Bruce, over the last 10 or 12 years, I've been in some great work environments uh, and I've been really fortunate with some of the people I've worked with. I've also been in some really poor environments and uh, a, a lot of that learning comes from that. So, so taking pieces around an environment that works really well where people belong and they're cared for and they feel like they're cared for and they've got a voice and uh, right, right down to the other side of it where you walk into a room and everyone's operating on the fear. So for, for me, that's where it comes from is to try and take the learnings that I've got and help organizations and probably strategic decision makers and businesses to go, right, we, we can actually get more out of people if we set an environment that they want to come into, first and foremost. So what does that look like? And then we go through the process. Even getting a culture, which is probably an overused word and everything like that. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to, right, as a leader, what kind of environment do you want to shape for your people? Um we touched on this when we were off air before. I think the big thing for me is uh, is is environment. So as a as a leader, you're responsible for creating an environment, um, and then obviously that becomes you start to talk about skin in the game and contribution from others and all that kind of stuff. But look, long long winded answer. That's that's where it comes from. Is just a desire to help businesses and organisations and leaders create spaces where people can come in and and love coming to. Uh, there was a there was a moment, and I, I, you didn't know this. I've never told you this before. But there there'll be people listening to this. I've no idea how well we know each other and, and so yeah. our story. So I'm just going to tell a little bit of a story, and then I'm going to tell you this moment. So you came to play for a club I was coaching. Um, yeah. At the time, struggling for identity, I was a young naive coach who thought it was his turn and had all these ideas and wanted to make it happen you were a player who was kind of on the fringes but I could see how important you were but honestly I couldn't I couldn't fit the jigsaw piece into the puzzle mm -hmm. is the polite way to put it I didn't know what yeah. to do with you you then had you had a bit of a roller coaster and I'm not quite sure I didn't know you well enough for what was happening outside the training field and the changing room and the, and the, the game to know I think you were struggling for identity, if I'm honest, at the time. Yeah. Um, I think you had an idea of a bigger purpose, but you didn't have it at that point, and you maybe didn't know how to access it. Yeah. You then were injured, and I'm still not sure how injured you were, but at the time I needed a forwards coach. And mm -hmm. almost by accident, it was one of those things, you were there, I trusted you, you trusted me, we'd built a decent relationship. And then I'm going to tell you this moment. So we split forwards and backs. I'm across there and you were doing line outs and you were doing stuff with a line out I'd never seen before. Right. And you were looking at quite technical things of making them better at lifting and jumping and the timing of the throw. And I looked across and I thought, I love that. And there was an energy to what you were doing. And before that, I don't think I'd given it any thought. I didn't know you were going to be a coach. I didn't know we were going to be sitting where we are having this conversation yeah. and you yeah. were in DC in a flying business class. Not, right? I didn't see that in my crystal ball for you. I didn't know what that would be. Yeah. And I'm really proud to have seen it and I'm really proud to be listening to you and to having this chat. Did you have a moment where you thought actually coaching and helping folk, this, this is for me, that's the thing. I'm going to go after that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably I probably didn't realise uh, that until it, until it passed. To be honest, 
I'll, I'll, I'll go back a stage or two, Bruce. You touched on something there that I think is really important. Is, I, mean, I, I was lost until I was probably 30 uh, in terms of identity. I, mean, I was in construction. I hated it. Um, I'd never loved it, so I did it since I was 16. It was just never my thing, but I had no idea what was my thing. Um, and and I think you kind of nailed it there when I when I went to when I went to Australia. That changed for me in a big way. And now, if you remember, Watsonians, Bruce, I, I I failed a drugs test when I was playing for you. Um, so I'm there's a, there's quite an interesting story here. It's quite funny actually. So. I'm walking down a street in Chatswood in Sydney and my phone rings and it's a UK number and some bloke comes on and says, uh, oh, Neil Turner. I was like, yeah, yeah, Neil Turner. He was like, uh, you've, it's such and such from UK anti-doping. Yeah, you've returned a positive test. And I'm like, I've gone piss off and put the phone down. And the reason I've done that is because a whole load of the boys knew that I'd tested and I thought it's just the boys taking the piss. It was a month later or something like that. Next thing, there's an email comes through, and sure enough, it's what it is. So, um, which again, as a story, was like it, it links with how I ended up in coaching in Australia. So, I went to play across for went across, and I was going to play for a team called Knox Old Boys, suburban staff training a Thursday, playing a Saturday. Great bunch of boys. I'd done a preseason with them, um, and it, it it was it was awesome. But I got this thing that came through and. I remember having a company yourself and uh, the president at Watsonians. I had to go to some people at SRU and, and get references to say, listen, he's a decent bloke. He's just an idiot, which is which is pretty much what I was. I bought a supplement over the counter at some store in, in Edinburgh and um, it had something in it and I got tested and failed. But, so that, I'm in Australia and this has happened. And the club, Knox Old Boys, were absolutely brilliant. They came and said, right, you can't play and we're not going to play you, which is the right thing to do. And I was happy with that. But they said, look, we're going to give you a cracking coach in the 20s, which I wasn't meant to do because I wasn't meant to have any involvement. But it was low-key stuff. And they've gone, listen, just go and coach in the 20s. And that that's that was that was where I picked up coaching in Australia. But that's not where I realised that, uh, I guess, uh, I don't want to sound wanky here, but it's, uh, I guess, what was my calling, if you like. And it's back now to that. When I look at that, now that time was that time at Watsonians, Bruce. So... You gave me the opportunity to step in. If I, if I hadn't had that, mate, I don't reckon I would be involved in the game now. I wouldn't be involved in any way, shape or form if you hadn't come to me and say, come on in and coach. And Chops came on board there as well. And you, I, and Chops really hit it off. Um, so I was really appreciative of the trust there. But when I, when I sort of fast forward to 2015, 2016, when I'm, when I'm suddenly in a room full of... Uh, Waratahs and Wallabies and I've got imposter syndrome I'm sitting on my shoulder I'm coaching the NRC going why the hell would these blokes listen to me I look, I look back to that point and I guess gratitude's what I feel um, the opportunity you gave me there Bruce and I loved it and that that I can remember that session you're talking about uh, under the floodlights uh, right in front and, of the stand you were doing a yeah. Lennox right in front of the stand it's giving me yeah. shivers and Bruce I was literally flying by the seat of my pants but what what I felt? <laughs> so was that. <laughs> <laughs> we still do, still yeah. do. But uh, all, all I knew when I was thinking about doing that, and when I was doing, all I knew about it was that this makes more sense than what we normally do, because the the movement and the action, and do you know I mean, just trying to get guys moving, trying just trying to make it more like a game. That's that's what it was ultimately. And whether I was right or wrong at that moment of time, I had no idea. Bruce. I really didn't. But the boys seemed to enjoy it. And and 
I enjoy playing around with it. And that's from a rugby coaching perspective again, Bruce, I've never I've never been scared to try things and fail. Like if it doesn't work, I don't care. I'll just work out how to make it work. Um for the last six years, Fill Your Boots has been making rugby happen at the grassroots level. Please get involved and go to www.fybrugby.com to register your club or to register as a player and join the online community to make sure that games continue to happen in the future. Join in clubs with players and players with clubs to make sure that we can keep the club game as strong as possible. Fill Your Boots. Bringing rugby together. So there's loads in there. Uh, you're nearly making me cry as well, but there's there's loads in there. Are you happy to try and fail because you love it so much that you can handle rejection? Like I sometimes feel that coaching's a bit like a. I'm not going to use the extreme, but a difficult relationship where. Yeah. Because the highs are so very, very high, you yeah. can handle the days where you have a crossword. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's and look, that that's the bit. I'll be honest with you, that's the bit I'm missing right now. So I love what I'm doing with the business. I, lo- I love the travel, the meeting new people, the helping organisations. Like I'll, I'll touch on a little while about an organisation down in Atlanta. We're doing some work with, and look, that that's where my buzz comes from is helping people and supporting people. Um, but I miss I miss the side of rugby that gives you those highs and lows. I miss as much as the winning. I miss having to walk into a room on a Monday morning and you've just had your pants pulled down, and you walk into the room as a coach, and the players are looking for not they're not looking for the answers necessarily, but they're looking to see what mood you're in. So I miss that part of walking in and being able to go. Do you know what? It's going to be all right because we've got another week ahead of us. Uh, and we're going to get better. Uh, so that that's the highs and lows are brilliant. I love that. I've got no fear of failing. Um, rejection. But did you did, did you have that? You're working in construction. I can remember you pulling into training, uh, you know, wearing the suit in a, I think you had a company car at the time. Yeah. And I can remember you saying about your job and, and it was obvious you didn't love it. Uh, again, I didn't know you well enough at that point to know what state it was, but yeah. I knew that you weren't a particular. Does that mean if you're not enjoying it, the lows are even lower and the highs are just kind of, yeah. I'm not emotionally involved, so yeah. it, it doesn't give me the buzz? Is that is that, yeah. a, is that a fair comparison between the two? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I'm trying to think of examples for you here, Bruce. There's uh, probably there's a period of Jersey where uh, where I wasn't enjoying it at all, and the the club was having its best success and that it ever had. But I, I was walking into work every day, Bruce, and the environment wasn't right. Uh, and and I, I guess I, I feel that, and that's me. That's I, I guess I'll go back a stage or two here as well. Like you, you gave me a lot of learnings, uh, Watsonians as well. Um, like I, I always, I never felt like I fully fitted as a rugby player, but I always fully fitted as a person. And the relationships that we were able to build, not just yourself, but then you chuck Hoggy and Donny in the mix there, you chuck Chop and Chops in the mix, and you chuck guys like uh, Jamie Blackwood and Tori. And we, as, as much as we weren't necessarily winning, 
I think it was a good bunch of boys who loved spending time together. Uh, so that was an example of that. But there was times when I was walking into work at Jersey, Bruce, and I didn't want to go um, because the because the environment wasn't uh, where it needed to be to allow people to thrive. So there was a lot lot of people operating under fear then, and I think fear can get it can get results, but I think the short term. Um, but that's that's back to the highs and lows. I think you you, you learn to navigate them. Uh, the other thing I learned with the lows is like to go to your cabinet and the people that you trust and and share things with them and get ideas from them and work out how to get through it. Which again, that's part of part of failure is working how working out how to get through it and come out the other side. And even though I had some lows there, like I was at West Harbour in Sydney as well, Bruce. I had a year there and I coached and I got sacked after a year. And that, that was partially my fault, absolutely partially my fault, but it was also uh, partially the way the club was operating. It was a revolving door and there was always the coaches, the excuse. But I got things massively wrong from a people management perspective. I had 85% Polynesian players and I, I hadn't learned as a young head coach at that stage that it's about the individual. It's not, it's not about the whole team, it's about the individual. You get the individual piece right, then the whole team can come together. Um, so again, the learnings through failure to sort of bring that full circle is that's where the best learners have been. And I'm Bruce, I'm so grateful for those because they are ultimately why I am who I am now, in a sense. So, and that's driving why we're running the business as well, to be honest with you. Yeah, I love it. Let's, let's go to the cabinet. Who's, who's in there from those days of we daft Tana at school? Yeah. So I'm really fortunate, Bruce. Uh, like I, I've said this to you before off record is I think relationships are everything. Um, so sort of in my 10 years uh, in Australia, being connected with Australia, I've probably got half a dozen people in there. Um, so I would go uh, and what, one of these one of these will cause a stink in Scotland, actually. But Ma- Matty Williams. Uh, <laughs> you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, but... Bruce, I'll be honest, for, for everything you read about him, what I will say say about him is he's been absolutely brilliant for me because he's been honest. And that's that's what I want. I want direct honesty. Even even if it's not what I want to hear, I want to hear it. And and he does that in spades. Um, he, t- he tells me when he thinks I'm being an idiot and he tells me when he thinks it's a great idea and I just appreciate that honestly and look he gave me a job at a time because I was in construction in Sydney as well mate and I hated it like I was in I was in a job project manager big commercial construction company making stupid money and I pulled up outside the office one day and I phoned my missus and I said I'm done I'm, I'm done and she's like what do you mean we've just had our first kids where, where, where are you going to go what are you going to do and I just went I'm going to coach rugby and she's like, have you got a job? And I went, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she, uh, she she just went, well, if you think you can do it, do it. I was like, but I'm going to walk in and, and resign right now. And she's like, okay, I'll back you. So that tells you a little bit about her, which, again, she's she's a rocking in sense of that. She gives me the confidence to to sort of make decisions. But uh, So I, back to the story, I, I picked up the phone to Matt and Knox. So you and uh, uh, Clark, Clark is at Glasgow now, coaching in the academy. Uh, you and said, oh, Knox might be looking for someone to do a bit of scrum work. So I phoned Matty and I said, Matty, I need a bit of work, mate. Is there anything doing? 
And he said, yeah, come on in, we'll, we'll catch up. So mate, he gave me 10 hours a week coaching scrum at Knox. And look, it was great because it, it got me into a coaching environment where I was spending 10 hours more than I had previously. And I think, again, you talk about coaching and it's time in the saddle and practice. Uh, the opportunity to practice makes you a better coach. But uh, so, so Matty was great. Within three weeks, mate, I pretty much had a full-time job at Knox. Hit it off with him and Ty Glassy, and he's be, he's been great to me. So he's 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 one of the cabinet. Um, then you've got I speak to Andy Friends probably, I mean, once every couple of weeks, once every two or three weeks. And Friend is brilliant as well. I've had so I've been chasing jobs in the last two years since I left Jersey, and I haven't picked anything up, which is cool. Um, but I've gone through a lot of interviews and uh, Fr Friendy's been great, mate, in terms of advice and, and support. And he's just a quality human being, mate, like pulled right out of the top drawer. Uh, really, really great guy. Then i got another guy who I'm actually in business, business partner uh, in Australia, Michael Pullman. He's, uh, he's got an air of calm about him, so he, he's good at where, where I maybe get off on one. He's good at pulling me back in and saying, hey, just calm down, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Um, then I've got Jimmy, who is based in Europe. Uh, Jimmy's Jimmy runs the European side of the business, and uh, again, he was he was my next door neighbour when I was at Jersey, and uh, he's brilliant as well. He's he's an energizer bunny, mate. Every, every time I have a Zoom with him, whether it's about business or it's about anything, I come off and I like I just want to go and dominate the world. Like I want to take everything on head first. Like it's brilliant. Uh, so that that's sort of the cabinet, Bruce. There's a mix of people in there. Come on, and let's go back to Jed. Who's in the cabinet for Jed? Uh, there's probably no one in the cabinet, right? But I've got close mates still there. Like the, if I if I bumped into them tomorrow in Jed, it would be like I bumped into them yesterday. Uh, there, there is a coaching influence in Jed that, like, I, I've got two or three coaching influences, Bruce, and you you're one of them, mate, because the. The way you went about your business at Watsonians from a, from an organization perspective was something that always really stuck with me that I've carried with me. Like we used to walk into the changing rooms on a Tuesday night and the session plans are all over the wall. So you get an opportunity to see what's coming uh, and prepare yourself mentally for that, which I loved. Uh, Alan Goodfellow at Jed was was another one. Goody was, mate, Goody was absolutely brilliant from start to finish. Co coached me as a kid. Uh, he, when I look at Goody Mate, I think the honesty is something that there's a trend there. So <laughs> a spade is a spade. If you're a dick, you're a dick and you know about it. Uh, but also a really, really good coach and a really good people person. He always just he always just seemed to get it right with his communication and the way he connected with you and uh, the, the environment that he set up for you. And I mean, he was a bloody good rugby coach as well, technically and tactically at that time. So uh, the, the borders just still blows my mind you know i feel very lucky to to have the roots that i've got and i'm sure you do as well yeah the, the town of jed has got no right at all to have the position of prominence that it does in the world of rugby it's a tiny yeah. little town that yeah. it, it doesn't even punch above its weight it's winning medals above its weight like it unbelievable the you know the influence it's having not just on the field between the white lines but the coaches the yeah. you know Roy Laidlaw his legacy is going to go for a for a long long time yeah. um and then there's others 
while Gary Armstrong's not necessarily involved in the game, if you ask anybody in our generation and probably 10 years older, yeah. who was the best scrum half in the world? It was Gary Armstrong. You've yeah. then got the Laidlaw boys. You're out in the world doing good things. There's uh, Clark's in charge of New Zealand Sevens programme. Like, yeah. For a small town, that's bonkers. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's, fun, it's funny, you know, you never really think about it, but uh, I, I, there's definitely something special about the place, Bruce, and I, like, I, I honestly don't know what it is. It's, I think it's probably like you live and breathe it, Bruce, the same, same as in Gala, right? I remember playing for Jed when I was 23, 24, and I'm walking up the high street, and so, some lady that works in the baker has walked out the door and said, hey, good luck today. You're playing for Jed? And I'm like, this is unbelievable. And like it probably comes back a little bit to that belonging piece and how powerful that is. Uh, and and look, I've I've got a lot of many regrets in my life, Bruce, and I'm I'm really grateful for my time at Watsonians. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I was at Edinburgh's a little bit, uh, and while there was good people, I didn't enjoy that. But I had, I had if there's a regret, I'd probably go back and just play all my club rugby at Jed. I would just have stayed there forever because I was playing with my mates. I was playing with the same guys that I came through from mini rugby through into the Jed team. Um, and look, I was really grateful for that, and I am grateful for it now. I just wish I'd had more of it. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I've I've spoken to a few people about this. The the time that we fell into the club game was really confusing, and yeah. you know, I I could I could say something really similar to what to what you've said. Um, that confusion between professionalism and amateur, and yeah the club game was trying to be something that actually it couldn't sustain and didn't sustain. And yeah, no, I, I get that a hundred percent get that. The the thing I love about a place like Jed is a bit like you've touched on there, the, the lady comes out the bakers. It's that involvement and immersion in this is our outlet. It's not just yeah. yours who it's not just those yeah. 15 guys that are playing. It's the, the people on the sideline, the people in the kitchens, the people in the turnstiles, the people selling yeah. programs, the old guys at the bar who you never actually appreciated. They've got 250 games doing what you did, yet you think yeah. you're Johnny Big Rocks because you've played 12 games like that. Yeah. I didn't appreciate that. And I think a lot of that fell out the game when it went professional here and we lost yeah. a lot of our identity. When you were at Jed, what what was the what was the changing room like? What was training like? What was the atmosphere like in amongst that small town team? Yeah, it's just mates taking the piss out of each other constantly, Bruce. It was brilliant. Like, and Clint May Clark was in that team. I, I was lucky enough that when Gary'd been in Newcastle and he came back to the Borders, and Gary came and played. Like Gary was Gary was a hero. Roy was a hero. Bruce, like I grew up literally worshiping Roy Laidlaw. And then my sister married his middle son. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, how has this happened? Like, but I remember, like, again, I'll go back on a story here. Bruce, I remember being seven or eight and from Selkirk. And my dad took me across. My dad was always a Jed supporter. He took me across the game. And the ball boys on the sideline were Scott Laidlaw and Gary Hill and these boys. And I ended up sitting in front of the, uh, the sponsors board with the ball boys, Gary, Scott, uh, Ewan Lindors, I can't remember who it all was, but I was instantly welcomed. Like I sat down, I was a boy from another town. I was playing rugby for Selkirk Minis at the time. I sat down at this board in Jed, and like it was, it was like I was one of them, and I absolutely loved it. 
Um, so it was a special place in terms of that. Always, always felt, always felt like I belonged there. Jed, from a rugby perspective, um, it made, the changing room was brilliant. It's great fun. Like I could tell you some stories, mate. We we far out. We were playing playing against Roddy actually. Hoik Boxing Day. I think it was Boxing Day or the day after Boxing Day. And you know yourself and the borders. Boxing Day is a massive day on the beers. And we we were playing the next day, so we had a massive day in the beers and boxing day. I remember being in Scott's house at like two thirty in the morning, and we we were drinking shots or something, eh? And we're all going shit. We got to play hike tomorrow, and played hike the day after boxing day. We're in the changing room, we're all hungover, but we went out and we played the game, and it was brilliant. But the thing I remember about that was the size of the crowd the day after boxing day. And Bruce, I, I reckon there'd be two thousand there. It was massive, and I remember running out to and it was against Hoyk. So it was Hoyk Jed. You know what those games are like. Roddy was playing. Um I'm trying to think who else would have been playing. Oh Veggie, Landles, yeah, uh, Dave Reed, take your yeah, pick. Yeah. All those guys were playing and uh it was absolutely brilliant. And I honestly don't feel like like I'd had two hundred beers the day before, as had the rest <laughs> of us. But we took the field and it didn't matter and it was brilliant fun. We got battered uphill and down dale by a brilliant hike team but then we got in the bar after and had great banter with them and they're uh that that's the beauty of borders rugby i think bruce is that like you you kick the shit out of each other for 80 minutes but then everybody gets in the bar after and it's it's a big community thing see that's i, I guess i get it but that that went missing because people were playing that weren't necessarily fully belonging to the place and that yeah. that that made me sad still makes me sad and i'm guilty of that like i'm i was one that that flew the nest so i'm yeah. i'm guilty of that when you see other jed folk doing well yeah. uh and glenn young's just got his cap yeah is there a Warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Uh, Bruce, when you said that, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Like it's brilliant to to like really, really proud of seeing those those people, whether it's Clark or Glenn or Greg, or to see everyone doing so well. It's it's just brilliant, mate. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a town of four and a half thousand people, Bruce. Let's say you touched on it before. Four and a half thousand people and. It like it's consistently punched above its weight in terms of its contribution to and influence on the game. So to see to see Glenn running out for Scotland, my cousin's really good mates with Glenn. Uh, so uh, I, I've sort of I guess I don't know Glenn too well. I know him, but not too well. But my cousin's close with him, and you get some of the some of the stuff. He's been on a journey. You know, what I mean, he's gone from Newcastle. He, he was at Newcastle, and he was told he'd never be big enough for the Premiership. He's gone to Harlequins and he's he's a very, very, very good line-out operator. Uh, not just an operator, but a tactician as well. So and he's gone he's gone to Quinns and I think he had he had some injury troubles there, but then he's gone to Edinburgh and it's no surprise that he's now playing for Scotland, mate, because he's obviously a very, very driven and motivated young man. And it's just yeah. great to see, and he's doing it, he's doing it in home territory. Like Edinburgh's the closest there is to a home pro team now for the borders. So Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. To see him doing it from there is really nice. Uh, he's He scored a try for the halfway line. Uh, and he yeah. was... He was champing wines and uh, champing grapes and making wine the last fifteen years, but it was an absolute belter. I, I love him a bit. Uh, and and there's the influence that Jed keeps going. Chloe Rowley playing yeah. sevens commie games for Scotland, you know, yeah. carving it up down south and and for Scotland, uh, the the women's representation is now just fantastic, and yeah. it just adds to the story of that wee tune. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, and look at it. Uh, the the women's game. If there's growth in the game, that's where it is. So again, to see someone like Chloe, and she, I mean, she's she's obviously motivated as well because she's she's gotten herself up, she's gotten out of Jed, she's gone and uh, looked for opportunities to develop and grow. And again, like there'll be so much. I don't really, I don't know her, I don't know her journey, but I would wager. The same as same as me and Clark and Greg and all these people, like there there'll be so much learning in there through through adversity and failure. But it's because you're willing to get up and go and have a dig and see see what it's all about. And it's great. Like I think uh, I got two. I'm like you, Bruce. I got two little girls, so I I would love nothing more than them to have the opportunity to explore rugby and. Girls like Chloe, yeah, Chloe are uh, they, they can be an inspiration for for my little girls as well. So it's awesome. Uh, she's class. She's a she's a brilliant lady. Yeah. There's there's something that strikes me in what you just said there, Chloe Rowley, Get up and go, you Greg. As you know, Greg didn't have it easy. Uh, people were more than willing to point out things that he could be better at, but he made absolute super strengths out of his strengths. Yeah. yeah. You know, Clark Laidlaw, a boy for Jed, is in charge of the All Black Seven squad. Like that's Brilliant. that's crazy. You're out changing the world. Uh, you know, Chris Laidlaw. I've got high hopes for him. I've got no yeah. doubt Chris is going to climb the coaching ladder. He's an absolute standing human. There's a. I've I've written it down here, and it's something I've always thought of you. And every time you phone me, and you're up to something new, it's if somebody had to do, said to me, "How do you describe Tunner?" There's a few things I would say, but one of them, one of them, single-minded, like you, you, you really go for it. Uh, there's an idea, it's for you, and you're going to put all your time and energy and enthusiasm yeah. into it. Yeah, that is that fair? Is that something that you're aware of? I think, yeah, uh, I, I think I think it's a strength and a weakness. So I'm I'm good at jumping in with two feet. Um, and I'm quite comfortable with that, to be honest, Bruce. And I, I tell you where I think that comes from. We touched on that earlier on. Is I, like I feel like I've got an identity now. Like I know what I'm all about, uh, and, and I know 
I know what matters to me. I know what's important. I know I've got really sound reasoning behind what I'm doing. I don't always get it right. I make lots of mistakes. I'm comfortable making mistakes. Um, but I think having that identity and understanding who I am and, and what I'm here for, I think that helps me with that single-mindedness. Uh, like I said to you there, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy just going for it. But it's a bit... What, what I will say is the whole thing comes off the ability, I think the whole thing comes off the ability to build relationships with people. So the ability to connect with people gives me the confidence uh, that, that I can I can sort of roll the sleeves up and have a go. Uh, I think Australia's got a little bit of influence there as well. So Australia's a little bit like the US in terms of you can do all right if you're willing to roll your sleeves up and have a go. Uh, I never felt like that in Scotland, Bruce. If I'm honest, uh, always felt, uh, and this is part. This is not. I'm not putting the blame on Scotland here. I'm putting. I'm putting it on my lack of identity. So me not knowing really who I was or what it was all about until I got a taste of that coaching uh, with you at Watsonians, and I was just sitting. I'm going, all right, there's something different here. So. Hello, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg-Shaped and I am here to tell you where you can get your Happiness is Egg-Shaped merchandise. Go to www.halbro.com and search for Happiness is Egg-Shaped in the stores. We've got it all. Umbrellas, snoots, hats, towels for when you eventually get to go on holiday to the beach or by the pool. We've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts, we've got all sorts going on there. Check it out. Get your Happiness is Egg-Shaped merchandise. You can get it all coloured up for your favourite team or for your country get involved because you know I know everybody knows happiness is exit right I'm see this that what you've just said there I love like, it's it's absolutely amazing when I speak at Graham Moffat uh, in Canada he said something really similar. Sounds like he wasn't comfortable with who he was or hadn't found his identity until a bit later than 30. Yeah. I don't think I found it until a bit later. Um, I've never been happier and sort of more certain of who I am and, and what I want from life and yeah. what I think is important. But there's a massive push, and I didn't want this to turn into, but we, we couldn't have had that at 18. How can you have that at 18? No. So when a young player or a young person arrives at you, and you can see that it's not really our job to find their identity. It's just our job to help them at that moment. Yeah. How much a kick do you get out of that? Oh, it's massive, Bruce. It's massive. Like, I think uh, the the rugby side of things is probably the easiest place to point at here. So, I've got in the last since I, since I did the NRC in 2015. There's a list of players, Bruce, who have. Uh, who are who I've worked with that have all gone on to Super Rugby or they're playing in the Premiership or they've gone and playing for the Wallabies. Jed Holloway's playing for the Wallabies uh, for the first time this weekend against Argentina. And uh, I'm a very, 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 very small blip on their radar, but I get immense pride from being someone that was part of their journey. Uh, and, and their journey is because of everything that they've done with a little bit of help and support from others along the way. To, so to think that I'm a pinprick of that support at some point on his journey, and he, he's 29 and he's going to play for the Wallabies for the first time, so he's done it the hard way. That that That's what it's about, isn't it? Like that's like that's the pride that's the, in helping others achieve their goals. And 
there's yeah, there's a there's a nice thing there's a nice thing about coaching in that you can see an instant that you can get an instant you said you sort of grateful I think you said earlier you can see them in that session or in that game get that thing right or they've improved it because of yeah. your maybe a little bit of input and engagement so there's that immediacy of warm fuzzy feeling i'm doing a good job here yeah. there's then that by the end of the season look we've made improvement you know there's an there's an obvious objective improvement yeah. but then there's a there's the stories that you've just told there that you can't predict uh you can't plan for you can't even have that as a need you can't i need to hear that he's going to play for the wallabies in 10 years time but it's so nice isn't it to know that there's that long tail like you telling stories with Watsonians like blows my mind here's in the back of my neck you, you must have had some really nice moments where somebody just drops you a message and goes by the way I'm doing this thank you yeah so I, I had I had one uh probably 12 months ago there's a there's a lad called Nick Dolly who is plays two for Leicester and Nick Nick came to us on loan um my last season just before COVID kicked in so he came to us on loan from Sale, where he was struggling. He played for England under twenties, an Aussie kid who grew up about ten miles from where I was living in uh, in Sydney when I was last there. Really, really good kid. And he, I mean, talk about work ethic. This kid was he was phenomenal. Like he, him, and a guy called Josh Bainbridge. Every session, they they built a game around uh, Jackal. So, and I love the contact side of the game. And listen, all. Like for ninety percent of the time, they're going for another forty-five minutes after training, and they're working on Jackal. And sometimes I'm just holding a phone for them to film it or an iPad to film it. But but I'm there with them, and I'm watching them progress and get better and bounce off each other and learn off each other. And uh, so Nick Nick shot me a message. He got picked for England for the first time, and I've obviously gone, "Hey mate, it's great to great to see what you're doing." And he just came straight back, and he was, "Listen, Tan, I couldn't couldn't have done it without you. So thanks for your help." And I was, he was only, he was with us for four months. And uh, to to think, I hadn't really thought about it, but to think that he thinks that I've had an influence on his career, mate, is, is really humbling. Really, really humbling. Just, I don't think of it like that at all. Uh, I, I just, I just love helping people. I love working with guys like that. And guys who are willing to put the time and effort in. It's not rocket science. Like you put the time and effort in, you're going to get better. To see him... Uh, kicking, kicking his goals and run out for England for the first time, Bruce is just brilliant. I'm so happy for him. So happy for him. Uh, talking about we and about happy with your identity. If we'd had this chat, which we wouldn't have done, but if if we'd been talking like this 15 years ago, you wouldn't have been saying that you loved things and that you loved helping people and that you could handle failure. So that's yeah. obviously part of the journey, and that's who you've become. Now, in the role you've got, storytelling's a massive part of it. Yeah. How has that, all those things that we've been talking about up to this point, how has that helped you develop your storytelling? Yeah, I think uh, I think storytelling's a critical component of, of uh, building relationships, first and foremost. Um, but then when it, when it gets into training environments, rugby environments, work environments, uh, it's it's a really interesting space we were working in because part of it, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help leaders become better coaches. So, like, 
we, we define it the difference between a trainer, a mentor, and a coach. So a coach is someone who, who asks great questions, Bruce. And I'll, I'll take this back to we spoke offline where you gave me an example and you weren't sure if it was great coaching. And what you explained, the way you explained it, to me, that's world-class coaching because you, you were using a series of questions with a young athlete to lead them to a place in their brain where they can think about what they're doing and come up with the answers. So that for me, that's brilliant coaching. So brilliant coaching isn't walking in and telling a group of players, this is what we're going to do and this is the way we're going to do it. It's to allow, give them an environment where they can explore. So story storytelling is, that's probably, that probably sits a little bit in the mentor bracket for me. So there's a lot of that goes on in the way we present and the way we design programs to deliver. There is an interest in the, the professional sports background, obviously, particularly in the US. It's a bit of a hook for us here. Um, but I think walking in and sharing stories, it's a skill to learn to tell stories in the right way and get your messages across. But the thing that, under, that underpins it all, is, I think, is like being authentic. So being your real self when you share stories. So how do you use emotion? How do you use body language? How do you express yourself? Um, and I think the levels of engagement, when you get that right, people sit back and they, they start to think about their own stories and how they can connect and relate and it's really powerful stuff. I I think rugby players are good actors. I know you're talking about being your real self. Um, and we now talk that we can be that person. But in a changing room and possibly in front of a group of players, yeah. we're often putting on another persona. Yeah. Um, you, you, like me, have stood up and held a microphone and sung a song. Whether you know the words or not, you've been yeah. forced to do it. You've made a speech. You've given this. You've presented an award. You've, you've done all those things as a, as a coach in a game like rugby that is still rooted in amateur ethos. Uh, yeah. Whether you're an international or not, you, you still do a lot of those things. Yeah. How much is acting a part of the roles you fulfill now? Geez, that's a good question, Bruce. I've never thought of it like that. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm thinking scenarios where, so pitching for business is probably one where, and again, like I've, I've, I've sought some expertise in this space because I like, again, I think I'm quite good at building relationships with people, but it's different building relationships with people to actually sitting down and explaining what you do and getting a contract over the line, that's different. So I think I'm quite good at that relationship piece, getting at someone's level, getting to know about them, what's their family, their background, why are they where they are, where are they trying to get to, how, how did they get to where they are. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. But that other side around getting deals over the line, that's where I'm uncomfortable. Uh, and I and I don't get me wrong, bro. I love being uncomfortable with it, and I've got I've surrounded myself now with two or three people that work in that space, and what they're telling me is that the best salespeople, so the and I'm talking from that acting perspective here, the best salespeople find a way to be themselves and be authentic. So, like I said, we had a we had a meeting uh, the other day, and we're talking strategically about the business uh, in an office in Adelaide, and. We're talking about what, what the business does and why it does it. And ultimately what I've done is I've created this business and then I've brought other people on board. So Mikey's an investor. We've just employed Tommy. And uh, they're going to explain why you started the business. 
And I just went, because I've been, been in some good environments and shit environments, and I want to help create more good environments. And they're like, you got to walk into boardrooms and say that. And, and I was like, well, why? And they're like, because the way you delivered it, it's obviously you. So that acting piece, trying, I'm trying to keep away from it. Um, but that's probably the most, that's probably the place that I slip into it most just now is try, thinking that I need to sell and that needs to be an act rather than, hey, we, we can help your business here. How, how can we help your business? Well, it's you're going to retain more people. Your turnover and staff's going to be less. You're going to get more out of the people that do work for you, and they're going to love coming here and be part of it. Uh, so that that acting question is a really good question. I've never thought about that before. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I just sometimes sometimes being yourself is not who your audience want to see, and I, I just I'm interested. Uh, yeah. You know, b- being a teacher, there's often an act on. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're they then need to know that this has happened in my life because they just need me to be their teacher. And I'm always interested to hear about in other industries. So you're now in America. uh, You're like the Beatles. You've gone, you've gone across to to crack America. (laughs) What, how, how do you, how do you start? The same breath as the Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) How, how does a wee lad for Jed who's, actually for Selkirk and now in Australia, how, how do you go across and, why would why go with you? What what what's Tana yeah. bringing? Yeah, well, I think uh, I guess a, a precursor with everything here is coming from relationships that I've built through the game. So I've been coming here since two thousand fourteen and sort of helping a, a university here, uh, Emmitsburg, uh, Mount Saint Marys. You met Jay actually uh, at Roslyn Park Sevens, and look, I've just been helping them, Bruce, for the last sort of seven or eight years. Um, in that time, I built some trust with the alumni network and the people that run the school. And everything we're doing comes off the back of that. So there's a trust there already. Right, and hang on. Can I pause you there? You weren't building those relationships to get business benefits out of them no. in eight years' time. No. So this is probably a a nice side effect of just that relationships that you're yeah. you're obviously passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what we've done is we, we've sat, like we've got, a, a, well, there's a group of four actually now. So I've got uh, the business in Australia and I've got an investor, but he also works in the business. And then Jimmy, we've got what I call a collaborative partner and that will all change in the next 12 months. But And Jimmy's got an investor there. And we caught up in London uh, four weeks ago and went through a sort of strategic planning thing. And, it comes back to exactly what you said there. It's it's about it is about relationships and building trust and showing value, and uh, that's where it's come from for me here. So, in t- in terms of point of difference, I'm not walking into the market saying that we've got some flashy product that that you've never seen this before and it's going to blow your mind and blow your world. What we've got is we've got runs on the board that show that we've got the ability to build trust and help people improve. Um, and that's the biggest selling point is uh, we, we've done this before. We've done it in different industries, across different industries with different people. And pe- people in the alumni networks have that trust already. So they'll sit and have a chat to you about it. Look, if there's value now, great. And they want to do something that's awesome. That value might come in 10 years time, which we're completely happy with as well. Um, it's about it's about right for us. Again, it's back to that people thing, Bruce. It's about what's right for people at that moment in time. So. 
if we write for them now, then great. If we're not, let's stay in touch and see where we are in five years' time, six years' time. In all the podcasts that I've done, there's people that have achieved the goal they had when they were five, right? They mm-hmm. they played for England. They've won yeah. this. They've done right. They they've achieved the thing, but nobody has gone on the ladder. Nobody has gone step by step. They've not, you know that stairway to success whatever however you want to phrase it Mm -hmm. there's no way in hell neil tunner at 15 21 30 could have predicted you were going to be sitting here in this situation uh two kids home in the adelaide hills flying here to have a meeting to there to set up a business what where's tunner in 10 years all right. Don't know. Don't know. That's the answer. Because uh, the thing, I, the thing I love speaking to you, and coming back to that single-minded thing, you, you're on, you're all in, right? Yeah. The thing you're doing just now, and, and I'm not surprised you can't answer. It. Maybe it was unfair, because ten years time will kind of take care of itself if I deal with just now. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly where I am. And don't, don't get me wrong, that's, that doesn't mean that I haven't got, there's a, there's a little look out the side of my eye thinking about 10 years' time. Because we, like, I bring this back to strategy. We've got a strategy with the business, right? We want to be in a place where that in 10 years' time where we have a decision around whether we, we keep it or whether we sell it. And that's overarching strategy between a group of people. But none of that happens if I don't focus on the now. So it's it's very much right. What what are we doing now? How are we setting ourselves up? How how are we building this now, so that we can build it further next year and build it further the year after that? And it gets it gets us to a point where, um, you know, we're we're doing something we love doing with people that are like I bring this back to people, Bruce. Like the the people we have involved in this are like they're just brilliant humans, really really good people that make me want to be a better person as well. So every day is a build day and I'll get up in the morning and I'll do what needs to be done that day. And I'll have a look at tomorrow and go, right, what's happening there and what's happening next week. Uh, but I'm, I'm not looking too far, far in the future. We know what we want to do. We're going to try and do it. We're going to focus on getting it right now. So t- time's ticking. I've loved it. Absolutely loved it. As I always do chatting to you. You've worked with some good people. You've worked with some people that you've, that's been challenging you've inspired some that have gone on and do great things you've inspired some hopefully just to stay in the game and, and get a kick out of that uh you read a lot you're on whatsapp groups everybody you're on zoom calls uh you know you're networking if there was somebody that you could uh well let's go if you could have a coffee with somebody who would it be if you could coach with somebody who would it be and if you could work with a player who would it be so let's start who would you have a coffee with Anybody, okay. take your anybody. pick. Anybody to have a cup of coffee with? Uh, you can take them for a beer if you want. Go for a beer. I'd go for a <laughs> beer with Wayne Smith. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Wayne not even going to ask why. I'm not even going to. That's yeah. That's a that's a belter. Uh, who who could you go and coach with? Whether it's be their assistant or coach alongside them, or, yeah. or not necessarily in rugby. Who, who would you who would you go and coach with? Who would you love to see that close and personal? 
Friendy. I'd love to coach your friendy. I think he's, and I'll tell you the reason why here, Bruce, is because he, he understands it's about people. So there, there's lots of coaches in the pro game that are, it's W's and L's, and uh, players are commodities, staff are commodities, and it's it's almost at all costs, whereas Friendy's the opposite of that. Mate. He's, he builds environments where people feel like they can come and be their best. So, Do, uh, do you know what I'm going to say about Andy Friend? Right, here's here's my measure for somebody like Andy Friend. He's coaching at Connacht. He, he, he didn't go there for the w's and it like you go there for an environment a a place to be part of a to be part of a place in a culture i know you build your own in that in that club in the thing that yeah. you're a leader in but to go there i'm i'm desperate to go i'm absolutely desperate um, to go the people i've met for connacht have always been yeah. magic i love the rugby i love the fighting spirit i love the yeah. underdog i love what pat lamb did i can understand why he left but when i mean tough act to follow and then yeah. in comes a guy like him, and I, I just think I didn't know him. I've heard you talk about him, but I just if you're the head coach of Connacht and you stay that long, you're a, I just think you're a good guy. Yeah, totally agree, hundred <laughs> percent agree. Like it's, it, I went across there. Geez, I went across to see him, Bruce. My, I think it was the Christmas at my second year. Listen to this trip. So I, I flew from Jersey to Gatwick. I got a bus from Gatwick to Heathrow. I got a flight from Heathrow to Dublin. I got a bus to Galway. I had two nights. You do, you do really want to work with him. Yeah, I, had two, <laughs> I had two nights and then I did the same travel home again. Uh, it was over Christmas and New Year, but he, he welcomed me with open arms. The staff he had there, so he had um, Jimmy Duffy, he had Nigel Carlan, uh, he had Pete Wilkins was there at the time. Um, May the players... Like, I walked in the door and it, it was like, you talk about belonging, mate. It was like everyone just welcomed you. And it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and me, I sat in the coach's box with them when they played Munster. And it was just it was just brilliant. But I got to see firsthand the environment. And what stood out for me is I sat in on one meeting, Bruce, and it, they'd had Christmas and they came back in for this meeting before they played Munster. And I've been in so many of these meetings where the coaches walk in and they're just straight to business, right? And it's straight to right. This is where we are. This is what what are we doing here? What are we doing there? And it's and that's cool, right? Because that stuff is important. But friendly front ended it with he just picked two or three people out and said, "How was your Christmas? What was going on? What was the family up to?" And that that stuff is everything. That that picking on two or three people in the group and just saying, "How are you?" How's right, right. Hang on. Right, hold the bus. Right, he did that. Was that premeditated? Was that him creating a sense of belonging? Or is that just how he does it? It's just how he does it, I think, Bruce. I think he cares about people. So, And he actually cares about, right, how, how are they doing? What are they up to? How was their Christmas? Like, so that's, that's him being authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And and my, my question is, why, particularly at the professional end of the game, right, it gets so, it becomes so intense and this focus on professional, 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 that sometimes it gets forgotten that it's human. And uh, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of environments now are getting that right, and there's more getting it right than there were before, but there's still a lot of environments you walk in where you've got this matriarchal Julius Caesar-type head coach who's coming in and he's telling everyone how it's done, and this is... I mean, that's bullshit, because what you've got, right, is you've got 
35 players who are all in the heat of battle, whether that's in training or in games, who have all these experiences that you don't get as a coach. So wh why why would you not be trying to connect with them at a human level so that they then feel like they can share what's going on in the heat of battle? And you get that connection, that deep connection that uh, I think is really important for performance. Love it. So you've gone for coffee, Wayne Smith. You're now working with Friendy. Mm -hmm. uh, which player would you love to work with? Um... I'd love to work with Michael Hooper. I'd love to work with Michael Hooper. And I, I'm going to say, see two, right. I'm going to put that. in the spot. I'm going to say George Smith in his heyday. And I'm yeah. going to say Michael Hooper now. Right. Here you go. Then I'm going to put you on the spot. Why are you picking people that are already that good? Uh, because. They, they, I'm going to tell you exactly why, right? Because I had I heard this story the other day about uh, George Smith, and I'm going to touch on him, right? So he George went to Bristol, and I, I had a coffee with a guy who was the SNC coach at Bristol, and he's now working with Adelaide Crows in AFL. And he was talking to me about George, and he put a question to George day one when he came in, right? He says, George, listen, two programs here, mate. You can come in and you can cruise along, and that's cool because you're a world-class player and everything like that. Or I've got a program here that's going to push you. So even though George is world-class, mate, he's not thinking he's world-class. He's thinking, how do I just keep being better than I, than I was the day before? And wh whether, for me, you've asked me to name a person, but it's not really about naming a person. It's about the type of person. So someone that just comes in and just goes, I want to get better. I want to get better. Can you help me get better? Or oh, probably I can help you. How are you going to help me? I'm just going to ask you some questions. And I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to ask you the questions that allow you to work it out. And that's to go back to that's what I think great coaching is, is the ability to uh, let people have ownership by the way you interact with them and then just get your questioning right. That makes them think deeply about how they progress and move forward. Uh, so that's yeah, it. No, I, I, I like it. It's uh it's it's a thought in helping them get better. Whether they're Michael, Ho I mean Hooper is just off the chart, and and Smith is yeah was was off the chart. It's it's an amazing thing. The, and the reason both, I say Hooper both uh, both forwards that you could do lots of contact with. <laughs> <laughs> no scrum though, no scrum. Mate, Hooper's Hooper's an interesting one as well. The reason I said him is because of leadership. So it, yes. It's, uh, I think he's someone, like as a case study, I'd love to spend some time and look at how he leads. I've seen some clips and videos around how he communicates and interacts. And so I'm, the, I thing find, the thing I find with Hooper is when Aussie rugby hasn't had consistency, they've had him. Yeah. He's, he's maintained unbelievable level of performance, leadership, character, all those yeah. things. When Australia were under the pump, but yeah. then when they go well... Michael Hooper didn't play any better when they were playing well. I think others were able to come up a bit closer to his standard. And he yeah. just he just seems like a typical Aussie. Uh, yeah. but, but in all the right ways. And but yeah. his his performance level I just loved. Tana, uh yeah. I love it, my man. Uh I I'm so a bit like you're telling that story of that guy. I feel so sort of 
I know I do. I feel proud and honoured to have been part of it and that we keep in touch. And uh, we've been talking about this for a long time and I'm glad we finally nailed it down. And I, I'm not even going to wish you every success. I'm just going to wish you all the best because I, I, I know you're going to give it everything and, and you're going to ask people questions to give you help when you need it and you're going to push some buttons and you're you're going to keep going. So the last question, and I did give you a bit of, a wee bit of warning of this. For you, Tun, happiness is? Uh, happiness is helping people. Two th- I'm going to say two things. Sorry, Bruce. Happiness is my family and my girls, and the second is helping people. And they are someone else, those three. Uh, yeah, three mine. ladies. The mine. three ladies. Uh, bonkers. Absolutely off their chump, but brilliant with it. <laughs> I, I love them a bit. My girls miss them. Tana, all the best, my man. I'll see you somewhere. London, Adelaide, Washington, okay. uh, Gala, Jed, somewhere. Hopefully somewhere. Hopefully somewhere. Hopefully soon, Bruce. <laughs> Cheers, my man. Love you. Great talking to you, mate. Thanks for that. Cheers, bud. Right. Love him. Absolutely love him. Neil Tanner, uh I, I couldn't have predicted it, right? There's people I could have written their names down and put an ambition or a hope or a, I could not have told you what that man was going to do and what he's achieved and I admire him for it. Uh, I love his single-mindedness. I love the guts he's shown. I love the risks he's taken and, and while he's not always got the rewards, he will. I'm confident he will in the end uh, and he does have a, an amazing family. They are bonkers and we'll keep them honest i hope you've enjoyed it i certainly have uh hopefully you'll be back for more you can catch us on apple acast and spotify you can watch on facebook and youtube tell your friends leave a review spread the good news and if you know tana drop him a wee comment because i'm sure he'll get a kick out of it. and whether he believes it or not his accent definitely has changed my name is bruce Edison from the happinesses podcast my happiness is egg shaped and i look forward to seeing you all somewhere very very soon and in the meantime all the very very best Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. No, 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 Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.